أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له بالقول ولا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعضكم لبعض أن تحبط أعمالكم وأنتم لا تشعرون صدق الله العظيم In the first ayat of the surah, the etiquette was taught to the Sahaba Kiram and to the Ummad that you should not proceed before Allah and His Rasul وسلم, meaning till Rasulullah himself has not given the go-ahead or has asked for somebody to say what they want to say or has given permission to somebody to do something until then they should wait his instruction, they should not of their own accord proceed before him. Then in the second ayat which was recited now, Allah Ta'ala says, O you who believe, do not raise your voices above the voice of the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala and don't be loud to him as you are loud when speaking to one another. Antahbata a'malukum wa antum la Out of fear that your Actions may be nullified and you won't even realize, you won't even know what happened. Now this again is the etiquette with regards to the tone of the voice in the presence of Rasulullah wasallam. This could be in a way that for example somebody is coming to talk to Nabi wasallam in a very casual manner and in a casual manner sometimes the voice is being raised or that in discussing with one another in the presence of Rasulullah the voices are being raised in a way that the voice of Nabi is then so to say subdued if he wants to say something so all these aspects have been prohibited that all this is against the dictates of adab and especially the very high adab that is required for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah ta'ala prohibited all this and then gave a warning, a very very dire warning. That beware of these aspects because if this is going to be the situation that a person is going to raise his voice above the voice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or he's going to talk to him in such a way that his voice gets raised above him the fear is that all his actions may become nullified and he won't even realize what happens. Now there's a very major question that the muhaddithin, mufassireen have raised at this juncture that in this ayat Allah Ta'ala sounds the warning that a person should fear that all his amal will get nullified, all his actions will get cancelled, will become void. In terms of the principles of shariat, the only thing that nullifies everything, all the actions of a person become null and void, completely cancelled, is kufr. That a person renegades from Islam, he becomes a murtad. As soon as a person becomes a murtad, he adopts kufr na'uzubillah. 
then all his amal become null and void immediately. It's all cancelled. It's all completely nullified. He gets no reward for anything, obviously. So this is the effect of kufr. And in this instance, the discussion is about adab, the discussion is about respect. And on this aspect that if a person hasn't maintained that respect that was required in terms of how he spoke, what was the tone of the voice, he did not raise his voice above the voice of Rasulullah So If he lapsed in this regard, he erred in this regard, on that the same warning is being sounded which is actually an effect of kufr, which is an effect of irtidad. So this doesn't seem to fit in with the principle that has been established in terms of sharia, that kufr is what cancels the deeds. Anything lesser than kufr, that won't have the same effect. It'll have a, it'll be a severe sin. A person commits a major sin, it's a major sin. But that, as long as he realizes and accepts that this is haram, he doesn't trivialize it, he doesn't just make light of it, make light of some aspect of sharia, then that won't constitute kufr. And that won't cancel all his amal, but here this is what is being mentioned. So the explanation to this that Sami Rahmatullah has given is that there's a very sensitive matter here. And the very sensitive matter is that somebody might do something deliberately and sometimes a person does something without deliberate intent. Two are different. One is somebody deliberately raises his voice above the voice of Rasulullah So Out of deliberate intent he did this. He did this without any care, without any concern and deliberately raised the voice above the voice of Rasulullah This is a kind of deliberate disrespect. It's a kind of belittling Nabi and this raising the voice in this manner will deliberately cause taklif and difficulty and pain to him. So to deliberately cause pain to Rasulullah is kufr. Deliberately that one is aware that this is going to cause pain to Rasulullah and he deliberately does that. He's causing deliberately pain to the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. To deliberately cause pain to the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala will be kufr. The other situation is that a person has no intent of causing difficulty, taklif, pain. That's not his intent at all. But sometimes some action, though it was not meant to cause any offense, not meant to cause any pain and difficulty, not meant to be disrespectful. That wasn't the intention. The intention wasn't in any way to even be disrespectful, to cause pain, to cause taklif. But despite there being no such intention, the action can still result in this. That somebody raised his voice in a careless manner and this caused some kind of discomfort to the heart of Rasulullah It should not be that this discomfort which is now involuntary, this discomfort is involuntary, but being coming the means of this involuntary discomfort, though that wasn't even intended, that wasn't the intention of the person, Allah forbid that because of the high respect that is necessary for Rasulullah 
it should not be that this unintentional causing of taklif could lead to a person's tawfiq being taken away. It's not that this will directly become kufr. But now he caused taklif, he caused pain. As a result of this, the tawfiq is then removed. But the effect of this becomes that the person's amal starts slipping. And when the amal starts slipping, then there's no void. Something goes, something else comes in its place. When the good goes, the bad starts coming in. And then one thing leads to another, and Allah forbid, as it is stated, Al-Ma'asi Baridul Kufr, sins, this is the pathway to, it's, so to say, it is going to be posting a person to Kufr. So eventually Allah forbid that a person starts committing one sin after the other, one small sin, then the other sin bigger than that, and then major sins, and then he starts trivializing sin, and eventually falls into Kufr itself. This is that very severe aspect that a person, Allah Ta'ala is cautioning the Sahaba that look, don't ever allow this to happen. But as mentioned that the Sahaba Ikram, this was their high position that they needed to be taught something once. They went through this phase of tarbiyat. When this ayat was revealed, Siddiq Akbar Ta'ala comes to Rasulullah and he says to him that from this moment till my last breath, I'm alive, I will never ever raise my voice in your presence. And Hazrat Umar he started becoming so cautious and so careful after this ayat was revealed that on many occasions when he would be speaking to Rasulullah Nabi would have to ask him to raise his voice somewhat so that his, what he's saying could be fully heard and fully understood. This became the excessive caution that he undertook just so that this doesn't come anywhere close to what this warning has been sounded. There was a Sahabi from the Ansar, Hazrat Sabit bin Qais bin Shammas radiallahu ta'ala was known as the Khatibul Ansar. He was a very eloquent Sahabi and naturally his voice was loud. Some people are naturally louder than others. That is their natural voice. So his voice was naturally loud. When this ayat was revealed, he heard about this ayat. This reached him as well. When this ayat reached him, he confined himself to his house. And he stopped coming out. After some time, a day or two, Rasulullah noticed that he's not around. He asked the Sahaba that is Sabit Murwal, what is the problem? Don't see him. So, Hazrat Saad bin Mu'az or was it Saad bin Ubadah this is something that is a discussion among the Muhaddithin, who was it really? One of them was present in the gathering and he said that he is my neighbor and I am not aware of him being ill. So that can't be the case. One point that we learn from here is that this was something that was not apparently possible that would happen that the neighbor was ill and the person next door won't come to know about it. This was the relationship between neighbors that if there was some difficulty in the house next door then the neighbor knew about it. He kept himself informed about it so that he could do what could be necessary to help the neighbor. So in any case he says that he's my neighbor and I don't know of him being ill. So in other words 
if he was ill, I would have known. I don't know about him being ill. So there's some other issue. Whatever issue is, I have no idea, but there's something else. But I will find out. So he comes, comes to visit Hazrat Sabit radiallahu ta'ala and he says, what is the problem? The beast last is inquiring about you. You are nowhere to be seen. And this wasn't after a very lengthy period of many weeks or months. This was barely a day or two. So, he says he was confined to his house and spending his time crying. He says, what's your problem? He says, you know what ayat has been revealed? The ayat that has been revealed is that don't raise your voice above the voice of Rasulullah And then in the ayat Allah Ta'ala sounds the warning that the, the warning is that if you do this, all your actions will become nullified. Everything will become cancelled. So you know my situation, that my voice is naturally loud. So every time I'm going to say something in the presence of Rasulullah my voice is going to be louder than his. Because that's where it is. So it means that I, anamin ahlin nar, that I'm this time for Jahannam now. This is my situation, my voice is naturally loud. Now the point here for us to ponder on, that this was his natural voice, it was not something that he was raising his voice. This was his lowest pitch of the voice. And this ayat of the Quran Sharif is commanding, لَا تَجْهَرُوا لَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ Don't raise your voice. For when a person truly has caution in his heart, truly has taqwa, has the khawf and the fear of Allah Ta'ala, then he takes the path of caution in everything. Now here, he could have easily said, that, look, this is my natural voice, so this can't be applicable to me. And if somebody is very careless and lax like us, then he would have responded and said, but how can this be applicable to me? One is to say that this is perhaps not applicable to me, he would have started questioning this. How can this ever be applicable to me? Nauzubillah, this is something that will be then illogical. That this is my natural voice. The Sahaba were not like that. This was their khauf, their fear, that regardless of the fact that this is my natural voice, but it will still be louder. I can't take chances. I can't take any chances. They weren't out there to look for loopholes. We, there is a clear injunction, we will still be trying to find some loophole to create an escape clause for ourselves. To create some kind of escape for ourselves, we'll find some tawil, some kind of uh, distant interpretation of some sort, which will actually be not an interpretation, but actually a misinterpretation. But to try and find some way out of it for us. But this was a Sabit Rilano's response. He says, Anam in Ahli Nar. I am headed for Jahannam. So Saad bin Ubadah comes back to Rasulullah and he explains that this is what had happened. This is Sabit's situation. This is his response. Nabi Islam says, Balhuwa min ahlil Jannah. Oh, you go back and tell him. He is not heading for Jahannam. He is among the people of Jannah. Now where did this glad tiding come to him? On what it came to him? It came to him on this extent of his adab. On this extent of his adab that despite this being my natural voice, I am now not going to take any chances. And his khauf and his fear. 
Now, he didn't try to find any loopholes. He took the path of caution and he became very concerned, very afraid. He said, I'm not even coming close by because I'll, I'll have to say something, or I'll be asked something, I'll have to answer. Now, this adab of his brought him the glad tiding of Jannat while walking on earth. The Sahaba used to say that after this incident, when people would see Sabit walking, they would talk to one another, you want to see a person of Jannat, there's he. When you see a person of Jannat walking on earth, look at him. Now what brought this? This was Adab. This Adab, the ulama state that there is nothing compared to Adab in making a person progress in day. There is no second to it. That this, because this is the polish of everything, it comes above everything. That the best action can be done, but if it is done without Adab, that action itself will become void. That action itself will lose all its luster, it will lose all its benefits. So it was a very good thing. But it was done without Adam. A person performed his salah, subhanallah, salah is such a great ibadat. But he did it haphazardly. Now that haphazard salah is lack of Adam for that salah, lack of Adam that this is such a great ibadat. Now he's performing that salah haphazardly. So what becomes the end result of that salah? He doesn't perform the ruku properly, very hastily, performs the sajda very hastily, the koma, the jalsa, hardly pausing in any posture, very hasty performance. Now this, besides being many other things, is also disrespectful to this ibadat. What becomes the outcome of it? That that salah barely rises above his head, and then it is wrapped like a dirty rag, and it is thrown back at the face of the person. This is the detail that's mentioned in the Hadith Sharif. And that Salah then curses him, May Allah Ta'ala destroy you as you have destroyed me. Now he did such a great ibadat, but he did it haphazardly, which shows that he had no, no respect for this. And not concerned, such a great ibadat, I have to be standing in front of Allah Ta'ala, to talk to Allah Ta'ala, I'm going to bow down in front of Allah Ta'ala. And all that was just cast aside, that haphazard performance, this was the end result of it. Took other part of it, and this is the end result. So there is no second to it, there is nothing that can be compared to true adab for a person's progress in deen. And the opposite of it, the converse of it also applies. That there can be nothing that can be compared to disrespect to the extent in which it can drop a person from deen. That even major sins sometimes don't drop a person so fast as disrespect can drop a person. So this is a very, very sensitive aspect that a person should never cross the line of respect. Never ever cross the line, especially in the matters of deen, people of deen, person should never cross the line of respect. Hazrat Mufti Shafi in the tafsir of this ayat, he then writes further that obviously the maqam and the position and the status of Rasulullah that is beyond comparison. That is far beyond our imagination. So nobody can come close to that. But nevertheless, those who are the warithin of the Anbiya Ali Salam, the inheritors of the Anbiya Ali Salam, the scholars of deen, the ulama, the mashayikh, the pious personalities, 
then the same etiquette, obviously the levels are the heaven and the earth, but nevertheless in principle the same etiquette will be applicable to all those who have the knowledge of deen, those who are the people who are the inheritors of the Anbiya the ulama, the mashayikh, that the same etiquette will apply in this regard. That a person should not, especially somebody who he has taken as his guide in deen, his ustad, his mashayikh, etc. Then even some things which might unintentionally cause some kind of offense, he should be very careful to check and double check. That this should not become the case, that there is something that's done, though not deliberately, because this can become a barrier. This can become a barrier from the benefit flowing, and therefore a person should be careful in that regard. So this is the etiquette that has been taught, and the essence of all this is this adab. Ba adab, ba nasib, be adab, be nasib. The person who acquires adab, who has adab in his life, such a person will be greatly fortunate, he'll achieve a lot, he'll reach heights. Be adab, be nasib. The person is without adab, that lack of adab, it deprives the person completely. Adab for one's parents, adab for one's elders, there should be no compromise of adab. As repeatedly mentioned, that there is a clear distinction between what is right and what is wrong. We can't compromise in what is right and wrong. Something is wrong, it's wrong. لا طاعت لمخلوق في معصيت الخالق There is no obedience to the creation if this is going to involve disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. But even in that situation, adab cannot be compromised. Even if a person has to decline something that his parents are instructing, but because it's wrong, he can't do it, but he will decline with adab. He will not be able to allow this respect to come in the picture. And as many times ayat was discussed, the time is up, inshallah we'll discuss it again maybe tomorrow, that even if the parents are mushrikeen, the Quran still commands, don't compromise adab. You won't obey their incorrect instruction, but even if the parents are mushrikeen, you'll still be within the limits of adab. If that is the case about mushrikeen, if the parents are mushrikeen, the parents are mu'mineen, then what? Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq that this adab becomes a part and parcel of our life and together with adab all the values of iman are inculcated in our hearts. Allah Ta'ala bless us with the tawfiq of amal.